Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Hi, everyone. Glad you're here. This whole month we're talking about creativity. We're using Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, which tells us how we can live more creative lives. Last week, we talked about the idea of creativity as something that we, we actually have to invite. The ideas are there. The, the magnificence of the world is there. But if we're not willing, if we don't have that, that creative willingness to allow the ideas in, they can literally go in one ear and out the other. And what idea, right? And so last week, we, we made that commitment to, to listen a little closer, to have that willingness to experience the magic, to, to, to be enchanted by new ideas and new people and newness in general, because that's where our evolution comes from. That's where our evolution as spiritual beings comes from, is the newness in the world. And when we, when we embrace it, when we invite it in, oh my gosh. Okay, so I want to build on that. Today, today we're going to assume that we've said yes to a great idea. So what next, right? Many of us aren't used to actually taking that divine creative process and following through, taking an idea and giving it a form. And so today, I want to give you a, a few tips on that. And in particular, we're going to be talking about both permission and persistence. Now, you can guess, I think, the persistence part, Right. A new idea is probably going to require some persistence on our part, and we'll get there. But I really want to focus more today on the idea of permission. Do I need permission to move forward in an idea? Why might I? Why might I not? First of all, I think the answer in some ways is yes, because if it's something new, we're a little shy of new things. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that often we like things that don't rock the boat, that are within our comfort zone, that aren't a big leap for us? And what I know is some of the best ideas on the planet are significantly different than what has come before. And so I think that's not only a willingness to see a new idea, but, but even a willingness to embrace it. It's going to take some love. It's going to take some adventuresomeness on our part to really go forward with a new idea and bring it into fruition. So, so first of all, permission from ourselves. And, and I, I think that permission even takes a, a, some granularity here. I need permission to devote some of my resources, some of my time, some of my love, some of my oomph. I need permission to not be good at it at first. How many times have you had a great idea and, you know, on day one and day two and day 347, you still haven't perfected it yet. And it's so frustrating. And yet, and yet a marvelous idea and you may not be good at it right from the get-go. I think we also need permission to follow through that, that permission that says, even when I fail at something, is it really a failure or is it part of that process? Do I just pick myself up again, revitalize myself with that idea that, that seems so captivating, that seems so magical, right? Am I going to let a small defeat derail that glory? Well, I hope not. 
but I may need to give myself permission literally to experience a failure or two along the way. Not to be disheartened by a failure, but almost to bless it as part of the process. And that's the other permission that I think we need to give ourselves is that the process may be more important than the product. Here in America, have you noticed we're really goal-oriented? We, we don't think that there's a pleasure so much in the creative actions and activities unless it produces something fabulous, unless you know, we get the fabulous job at the end of the foot race, unless uh, it, it blossoms into some new idea that makes us a, a million dollars in the stock market. It isn't, it isn't enough to experience the passion of newness unless it has some tangible object at the end of, of some scrimmage or, or, or some activity. And I would like to suggest that sometimes our best ideas are 100% process. They don't produce anything except our own well-being and our own growth on the planet. Have you thought of that before? Is everyone here familiar with the idea of being in the zone? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. When you're in the zone, you can look up and go, wait a minute, what just happened to the last six hours, right? I was so involved in this activity, and often that activity is creative. I, I remember not long ago, my partner Daniel and I, we got to go to a thing where we made wreaths, and, and going into it, it was like a four-hour thing, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to be, you know, like four hours to make a wreath? That is going to be the longest day on the planet. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. It's like we got there and suddenly they're like, okay, it's time, you know, we're closing up. <laughs> it's like it went just like that. That is when you're in the zone and that is as much the goal as the wreaths that we produced. In fact... I want to back up into last week a minute. If you'll remember last week, we talked about how to know whether an idea is right for you. How to know whether to say yes or no to a grand idea. Believe it or not, it's as much about the process of implementation as it is about the goal. If you feel jazzed about the idea, if it puts you into the zone, in your creative spirit, that is a yes. And I got to tell you, if it's just the idea, but not how you might participate with the idea, Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's an idea for someone else. If you get a grand idea and every step along the way of implementing that idea is pain and misery, it's like, wait a minute here. Maybe, maybe your job was the idea, but it's time to collaborate with other people that would enjoy the steps of the process. We're not all meant to single-handedly deliver every great idea on the planet. In fact, most great ideas that are implemented on the planet involve teams of people. So when you get that grand idea, but it's like, oh my gosh, I have to do this, and it's going to take two months to do that, and 
maybe the idea isn't intended for you alone, and maybe it's someone else's idea. Maybe the best thing you can do is get on the phone and say, you know, my part of this is to show you this thing. What do you think? To bring your enthusiasm to the project and hand it off to people whose true jazz will come from the creative process itself of bringing it off. So when an idea comes to you, don't just be thinking about you in the idea. Be thinking about the full participation of the universe here. Okay, another thing about granting yourself permission. Some of us are used to needing permission and guidance for others. And I have to tell you, that can be a creativity killer. People view you the way they view you. They may view you in creative in a certain way. They may not view you in creative in a certain way. They may think an idea that you have is fabulous, or they may think an idea you have is just a dog. It doesn't matter what other people think. Ultimately, creativity only needs to satisfy you. You alone need the permission, your permission, for moving forward with a grand idea. Now, is it nice when other people give you applause? Is it nice when other people think that an idea is a great one and cheer you on and want to be on your team? Well, of course that's a nice thing, and it's not necessary. And in fact, if you look towards other people for the oomph necessary to pull off an idea, again, I would begin to question that idea. Is that idea right for you? You need to feel the passion for you. And the last thing about this idea of permission, the third area of permission that I want to talk about, is that you need to have permission to do your creativity in a way that only you do it. And I want to use an example of this. Many of you know that uh, I'm also a fledgling author. I've written a couple fantasy books out there. And I remember when I wrote the first one, I started getting all kinds of feedback on Amazon.com. You know, it's, uh, it's for sale on Amazon.com, and anyone who buys the book, it'll bring up, you know, you can say what you think of the book. And of course, some of my friends were very sweet and bought the book and gave me four stars and said, you know, this is better than Hemingway and things like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it was very sweet, and I loved that. And then there were the people that gave me one or two stars. And they did that by comparing me to other authors. And I had to sit with that for a minute. Do I care whether my writing is like Stephen King or not? Do you know what I mean? Is it important to me that my novel should measure up to you know, make a list of your favorite author there, right? Because some of the negative comments were basically comparisons. And I had to really think about that a minute. And in particular, the one comment about Stephen King, well, he's one of my favorite authors. Well, in fact, two of my favorite authors, Stephen King and Ursula K. Le Guin, have written books on how to write books. And so, of course, I devoured those books on how to be a good author, right? And so here was someone saying, like, well, you've fallen short of Stephen King. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've studied Stephen King. And then I, I went, wait a minute, though. 
My job isn't to be Stephen King. No one can do that but Stephen King. You need the permission to implement your idea as only you can do it. And if there are going to be any comparisons, let it be just for education purposes, right? It's like, bless Stephen King. I learned some tips and tricks of the trade from him, and I will bless him always. And my novels are my novels. And if someone wants to give me a one star instead of a five star, that's their thing. Only I need to be pleased by my creativity. And I'll tell you another secret. The more pleased by your creativity that you are, the more pleased other people will be. When you create something fabulous in your own estimation, you are setting up that law of attraction that will bring to your bit of creativity, whatever it is, people who will be absolutely enchanted by that. And it's, it's coming because you're absolutely enchanted by it. You think it's wonderful. It's an exact uh, demonstration of an idea as it passes through you. And that will resonate with people who feel similarly. They will be excited. They will be compelled. They'll be drawn to it as they should. It's one of those spiritual laws. And so is your job to imitate someone else? No. Your job is to be the best yourself that you can be. And in fact, in fact, if there's any comparisons really to be made, it's comparing you to you the way you were maybe six months ago, right? It's to see your own progress, to see your own development of creativity, to see that that burgeoning self-awareness and and self-experimentation be made real in the world. It's seeing you implementing the divine creative process and noticing that you're getting even more excited about it, noticing that what you're producing or, or the experience of producing it is even more powerful and more calling to you. That's the only comparison you need is, is this even more powerful to me than it was six months ago? So this is leading me into the persistence piece of this. Because I wish I could say that every step in writing my books has been a pleasant one. (laughs) But if I did say that, I'd be fibbing, and I try not to do that on Sunday. (laughs) All bets off on Thursdays and Fridays, but, uh, but at least on Sunday, I like to only speak the truth. And I will tell you that in any creative endeavor, there will be missteps. There will be times when that kind of muse has dwindled a little bit. There will be efforts that you try out that do not work out, that do not please even you. And that doesn't mean that the idea was a bad one. And it doesn't mean that the idea isn't right for you. And so I believe that Our persistence should keep occurring as long as the idea itself is attractive to you. Now, let's think about that for a moment. You welcomed in that creative idea 
whether it's maybe picking up a foreign language, whether it's volunteering somewhere new, you know, you got this grand idea of how you can either enhance your own life or enhance the world, and you're jazzed about it, you're excited about it, and now you've had a few blips along the way. You've had maybe some success, but some failures as well. Should you keep it up? Is persistence what's called for, or is it time to hang up the, the white towel and say, okay, I gave it my best and that's as good as I can do. I think that this is actually an easier test, an easier question to answer than you might think. Go back to that original idea you had. Does it still enchant you? Does it still seem like a miracle idea? When you think about that idea or that way of being or that new product or, or that new relationship, does it still make you smile? Is there still juice in it? Does it feel powerful? Do you get those same goosebumps? And if you do, then you just smile and you say, I don't care if I had a failure. I don't care if things are not working out the way I had planned, right? We're human in our crazy plans. They don't always work out. But the idea is still sound. That idea can still put you in the zone. That idea still is waiting to be born through you or it wouldn't excite you anymore. Persistence is called for. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the Thomas Edison story. We've done that before. You know how many filaments it took, persistence, before an actual commercial light bulb was produced. You know that. But what does that mean in terms of you personally? When you've had a couple failures, it's hard to just pick yourself back up and say, okay, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to double up on my lessons. I'm going to, I'm going to try a, a different school to see if I can't learn this in some new way. I seem to be stumbling here. I seem to be having trouble. Where do you find the gumption to move on? And I think that there's a couple places. One is that initial idea. That initial idea still should be drawn towards you. And that may be a source where you can pick yourself back up again and say, okay, it's not the idea. It's not my participation in the idea. It's just the way. It's the how. And there are a million different ways of organizing an idea. I'll try a different one. And that is the Thomas Edison approach, right? There's like 14 different kinds of materials I can make a filament of, and I can put 27 different voltages through it, 27 times 14. I can set up a plan for trying them all, and you know, between now and five years from now, I'll find one that works. So that's the, the kind of Thomas Edison I'll try a new way, and if that fails, I'll try another new way. I try to think of as many ways as I can, and so on and so forth. And you will, assuming that that, that idea is strong enough, you will get there. I also would like to suggest, though, that sometimes that is born of focusing too much on that end product. And when we discover that we've made a few failures, we're losing the pleasure of the journey. And the pleasure of the journey is as important as that desire for some kind of an outcome at the end. So the other thing that I would ask you is very simple. What would make this fun again? What would make this new idea and me working on it fun again? Would it be involving new people? 
Would it be a different approach? Would it be taking it on more as a, thinking of it as a hobby rather than as some way I'm going to make money or have some kind of, a, of an outcome? Would it be changing the circumstances around it? Is it bringing it home instead of having it at work? Is it taking it to work instead of bringing it home? What would bring the delight back to it? Because if all you have is this kind of cold and distant picture of what you want to have out there, that's probably not going to have you picking yourself up off the ground when you failed. Think of children on the play yard Sometimes, when they fall and skin their knees, they run inside and they're done for the day. Other times, they pick themselves up and start playing as though nothing happened. Now think about that for a minute. The kid that runs inside and they're done with it, they're not enjoying the process. They've been frustrated by it. It isn't fun anymore for them. The kids that pick themselves up, not even really noticing that they've got a bloody knee and are right back in the game, they're having fun with the game. So what would it take to make that idea come alive again? What processes, what what would make the journey pleasant again? And I think you may come up with a different answer for revitalizing things, for picking yourself up and beginning again. Because you're going to take it back to the basics where you can be in the zone again, where you can enjoy the process again. All right, well, we've talked about a couple of important things in terms of we've taken on this new idea, what are we going to do with it? The first one was permission. And we noticed that that had a couple pieces to it. You need to give yourself permission, and only your permission is really required. If you're starting to feel that you're doing this new creative idea on behalf of someone else, probably good to question that. It's your idea. Ultimately, only you can implement it the way you're going to implement it anyway. And that's the final piece of permission. I give myself permission to be uniquely me in this effort. I don't have to make anyone else happy but me. And in fact, the happier that I am about this process and about this idea, it will draw to me the resources and people and uh, and experiences I need to both help and enjoy this idea once it's implemented. The truer you are to yourself, the truer you will be to your success and in fact the world. And then we also talked about the idea of persistence, that persistence is required and and the idea or the force behind persistence can come from two places. One is, well, I'll just try again, right? I have an unlimited number of options of ways of accomplishing this. I'll start with way number one and I'll work my way to way 8,843. No sweat as well as let's take a look at the process again. The other method for picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, and starting afresh is to change the process. What would bring delight back to this? So you can handle it like a scientist. You can handle it like a hedonist. Either way, either way, will help you through those rough times. We'll we'll bring that persistence back to your efforts. Homework? Are we up for a little homework? So last week, I suggested that you talk about your willingness, your intention for being willing for the new idea. 
This week, I want you to take that a step further and begin to evaluate those new ideas as they come to you for your yes or no. First, we just need a willingness for new ideas. Now I want you to look at those ideas. Is this my idea? Is it someone else's idea? If it's my idea, can I be in the zone with it? Can I feel that idea tickling at me? Is it all I can do to to not just plunge right in? Does it have that level of attraction for you? Or is it something maybe you need to collaborate with someone else? You see your part in it, but you also see that someone else's part is needed. Or maybe it's a no, maybe it's a handoff. This is a great idea, and I know just the person who might like to handle this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it their way, give it my blessing, right? The idea still is going to get born into the world, just not by me. So that's your homework for this week. When you get that idea, how do you make the decision, yes or no? All right, I'm going to close today with a quote from Big Magic. And a prayer. She says, you must keep trying. You must keep calling out in those dark woods for your own big magic, your own inspiration. You must move tirelessly and faithfully forward, hoping against hope to someday experience that divine collision of creative communion, either for the first time or for yet another time. Because when it all comes together, It is amazing. When it all comes together, the only thing you can do is bow down in gratitude as if, as if you have been granted an audience with the divine itself because you have. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one wholeness. That one creative impetus of all ideas all born in the mind of spirit. Every great idea throughout history, past, present, future, existing in the mind of God, even now. So I accept on my behalf that ability to let them in, to welcome them in, to evaluate them with love and engage my level of participation, giving myself the permission to devote the resources that those ideas are warranted by. And I also know that that those ideas are, are uniquely expressed through me. I don't need to get permission from anybody else. I don't need to make comparisons to anyone else. My creative force is to take that idea and make it real in the world in a way that is uniquely mine. And finally, I persist. I allow that idea to draw me forward always with the excitement of the journey, with the, the picture of the goal that those twin avenues of expression are there to keep me going always. And as it is true for me, I know without question it is true for everyone. Each of us has that ability to use that divine creative process to not only change our own lives through our creativity, but to make such a powerful change in the world itself. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I I simply know that the world is always better through the agents of our creativity. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself, that law that says yes, that, that law that's the source of all great ideas. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here.
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.